Hey y'all, it's Kemeny. And it's Christina from Truth Table. And you all have been asking us ways that you can actually partner and support Truth Table. And we have now created a Patreon. Hey, this is the deal. We need your help. We need your resources to make this happen. Go on over to patreon.com slash truthstable and partner with this work. Well, I want to thank you for coming to... Uh, Stand Against Racism, and I am Reggie Smith, and I am the director of the Offices of Race Relations and Social Justice for the Christian Reformed Church, who is uh, one of the sponsors for this event. And I, we are thankful to have Truth Table here with us in the house. <laughs> so uh, buckle your seatbelt. It may get a little bumpy. But before we do that, if you would take time to pause, let's pray together. Father, we are thankful. We're thankful that you're the God who stands against sin. You're the God who stands against injustice. You're the God who stands against xenophobia. You're the God who stands against all the powers and the principalities that doesn't want your kingdom to come. But Lord, you also, you stand up. For those who are for righteousness, you stand up for those who are courageous. You stand up for those who seek to be drum majors for peace. You stand up for those who want all God's people to flourish. It is here why we gather this this morning. And so, Lord, we ask that you would season all of our conversation with your love and grace and allow your truth to come through. So bless this food for nourishment and strength for our bodies. And Lord, that you would fill us and fill us all with courage that we may stand up when we leave this place and get in the good fight. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. We have the wonderful situation of having more than we thought, more people than we thought we were going to have. We're not surprised because we have Truth's Table who is with us today. Um, but this is, this, this is exciting, and so, we're, so please be patient with us as we try to seat everyone, feed everyone. And I want to welcome you here um, to this event. So my name is Michelle Lloyd-Page. I am the Executive Associate to the President for Diversity and Inclusion at Calvin College. Welcome to an extension of Calvin College. We'll, we'll, we'll claim this ministry center as an extension of Calvin College, so welcome. We are excited to be, um, to be partnering with the Christian Reformed Church North America, um, the denominational headquarters just down the road, Office of Social Justice and the Office of Race Relations. We are privileged to be partnering with them in an observance of the National Stand Against Racism event that is sponsored by the YWCA. The YWCA um, is an organization that seeks to empower women and to eliminate racism. That is their mission statement. And I am so excited that the the speakers that we have today are an embodiment of empowering women, especially empowering African-American women and eliminating racism. Perhaps, and in the, the quest to eliminating racism, having honest, truthful conversations about racism, having honest, truthful, as well as grace-filled conversations 
about the social issues, the concerns that impact African-American women in particular. So if you are here and you do not identify as an African-American woman, you're in the right place. <laughs> but understand that you're sitting in on a conversation. So at the end, when we have a Q&A session, I don't want to hear any question about, so what does this mean for white men? What does this mean for Latinas? What does this mean for that? Because we are having a conversation, right? That's impacting African-American women in particular. All right? We're all good? Say, we still love each other. All right? And just because we're for African-American women doesn't mean that we're against anybody else. But one of the things that I love about Truth's Table is that they give voice to African-American women. It's a way of um, resisting being silenced by culture, being silenced by our social institutions, being invisible, and being not heard. So I hope that you will welcome them with ears to hear, welcome them with hearts that are open to receive, welcome them in listening well and listening to hear what is, how does this resonate with you and how does this speak to you. We have three very dynamic women who are super powerful. When I think of what it means to be brave enough to raise your voice and to be who you are, to bear the scars, to only share so much, to be honest in these conversations. There are not three women that I admire more than those who make up Truth's Table. Men. Um, please welcome them to the table. Let us listen. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves by introducing their names and one word. One word that they are hoping that you will walk away with that's in your heart at the end of this conversation. Please welcome the amazing, the powerful, the grace-filled, the truth-filled women of God who represent Truth's Table. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Michelle, um, Dr. Page. Woo, uh, got me crying. I wasn't planning on crying, but I do be the, I'm the one that be crying at the I table. Know. It's always the people who think they don't cry. I'm the, so I was going to say, it be the thug that I'm the thug at the table that be crying. <laughs> thugs got tears. This is what tears. it sounds like when thugs cry. 
not Dove's <laughs> Cry. It's the remix. And so, <laughs> maybe I'm just like Woo. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by black women and for black women. So, welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? Well, 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 well. Ooh. Tambourines for everyone. Yes, yes, yes. I like that. That's a remix. That is a remix. Well, I am so happy to be here at the CRC Standing Against Racism event. Very perfect for us. Very on brand for Truth's Table. (laughs) This is very on brand. And I'm so happy we have a live amen section. Where's my amen section? I hear y'all. I hear y'all. I heard the sisters earlier. I was like, oh, we got an amen section. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So why don't we do this? You know, I want to um, honor um, Dr. Page's request of us starting off with a phrase, one word that we want everyone to take away um, from uh, the table today. And I guess I have to go first because I'm talking. Okay. Um, My word is courage. Mm. I'm not the pithy one, so I'll be having phrases. <laughs> it's right. And I'm buying time can, right now by over-explaining why I don't have one word. That's right. That's yeah, right. Like supercalifragilistic. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, I And I am going to use a phrase. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I want us to be emboldened by humility. Mm. Yes. These are great. I feel like we've spoken. No. Um, <laughs> if I had to have a word, oh, hmm. embodied repentance. I'll give you a high Okay. Up. Embodied repentance. Embodied repentance. Then, That's great. Yeah. Speaking of repentance, I'm the only one that was obedient to the task. <laughs> I want to say that. So we will embody repentance right now. <laughs> right now. That spirit no. of obedience. That's no, this why. Is, that's no, that's right. beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, I think, uh, so, we, you know, Truth's Table, we have always come out saying that we are anti-racist, right? Um, and uh, now it seems somewhat, and maybe I'm wrong, y'all can correct me. Uh, okay, it seems ahead. like it's Go a ahead. little bit more, it's becoming more in vogue yes. to say yes. that you're anti-racist. I yes. think when we were coming, I'm not trying to say we created it, we didn't. But, but we were explicitly anti-racist when we started the table, and we still are. Um, but people are beginning <laughs> to, so. it, it seems, move toward that a little bit more. And so I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about what anti-racism is um, and what it means for each of us individually you know, to be um, anti-racist. Uh, and, and we can kind of start there and just we'll, you know, we can just do what we do. You know, so what what does it mean? What what is anti-racism, and what does it mean for us individually in our own ministries to be, and collectively at the table, to be anti-racist? <laughs> I'll give a definition. So, um, so anti-racism as a as a concept comes. Uh, I mean, I, w- I would credit yeah. to the to the legal the legal world, and it's always interesting when you have a a concept or an ideology that comes out of a particular field, mm-hmm. what it means to take it from one field and then to extrapolate it to another. Mm. So you've got to kind of honor its roots to really understand mm-hmm. what, what it's about, right? So for people who are not in the field of law to say that you're an anti-racist, you're borrowing tools right, right from a discipline that you're actually not rooted in. Sure. Interestingly enough, I think that people who have like theological training, I think 
fit nicely next to legal training. Definitely, definitely. And, and so that, that transference of what it means to be anti-racist from the legal world to the theological world makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, anti-racists acknowledge the truth uh, about the history and the mythology of America, that it is a, both a racialized and racist mm-hmm. culture and community, mm-hmm. and that racism is maintained Although it can feel like it's just kind of in the air that we breathe, it's maintained through systems, practices, and ideologies. Sure. And to be an anti-racist is to be intentionally resisting those things. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be honest about the fact that it exists mm-hmm. to actually resist it to begin with. Well. So that's what I think about when I think about um, what it means to be anti-racist. I am anti-racist. Um, I think whether I was, if, so if I wasn't a believer, I think I probably would still be anti-racist right. because of lived experience as, <laughs> right. a, as a black woman in America. I am more empowered and emboldened to be anti-racist as a believer because I believe that our response to sin, all sin, which all sin is ultimately systemic and cosmic, That's right. yes. that our response right. to sin is resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Always. If you have a good handle right. to, the, to the extent that God has delighted in showing you the depths of your potential wickedness. If you got a good handle on that, then you would know that you need to resist sin, that you cannot play patty cake with it, that it is not a game, um, that it is not coming Mm -hmm. to be your friend, that it is actually coming to kill you. That's the end game. And for that matter, uh, racism is not just coming to kill black people who are unarmed in the streets. These sins are coming to kill all people made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so it's temporary perks. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is simply not worth it mm-hmm. because its ultimate price is price is life mm-hmm. itself. So uh, my Christian convictions root me in the seriousness of that, that it is life or death. And that's why I'm yes, anti-racist. That's what well, I got to say great. about that on this morning. Wonderful. There you are. I have, have a lovely to red add. jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss this. Don't Woo. miss it. Don't miss it. <laughs> that was beautiful. See, how about you, Anne? Yeah. Deep respect and total agreement with what yes. Dr. Christina Edmondson has laid upon us today. Let us not be swine in the presence of her pearls. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a quote. <laughs> you, you take that to you the You are bank. such a rapper. No, she's such you a know. poet. <laughs> I I believe deeply that once we acknowledge the truth and strive to resist that which we know Mm. seeks to kill us, we also have to tell the truth about the benefits Uh. that we have collected from that real subtle and seductive assassin that is a structural institutional racism. And the ways that that assassin poisons us is not with darts. Mm. Uh, but but it is through seduction. Yeah. Yeah. And so how have we been seduced by the benefits of racism? This is a question that everybody has to ask. And so to live mm-hmm. as an mm-hmm. anti-racist mm-hmm. is really to say, while I'm out here being bold, how must I also be humble? Mm-hmm. While I'm out here saying, hey, it's not enough diversity on this board. Right. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you go home and read a book to your baby girl and your baby boy, is there enough diversity on your bookshelf? Is there enough diversity mm-hmm. in your children's church curriculum? Mm-hmm. Because if your baby and my baby are arguing about whether or not Jesus was white and you taught them that, you ain't no anti-racist. You just like to shout on Twitter. Yeah. And so how yeah. are we being humble? <laughs> 
-hmm. and then being bold out of our humility. A lot of what I have had to mm -hmm. face in my own space is the complicity mm -hmm. that I have in, uh, in certain very particular types of comfort, right? right, right. Just coddling institutions and people and mm -hmm. saying, oh yeah, you're doing, you're doing good because sometimes we think diversity is enough. Um, I'll give this quick example and yeah. that'll be my answer. I often do consults for institutions that have academic and admissions mm -hmm. processes and one institution said to me, every time a person of color gets accepted or even they're interviewed, almost accepted, we bring them in and we say, we know we're a PWI. We know that it's, it's gonna be hard to be a person of color here in a predominantly white institution. And we want you to know that we are anti-racist. And I said, that's great that you say that to people of color. <laughs> right, right. I already know that you predominantly white. I didn't know that. Right. Notice that. I never felt more blacker. Hello. I feel like Wesley Snipes in a bowl of rice. Come on, come on. Don't. Tell me what is not news. <laughs> the question is, do, does the admissions department require every white student to know, to acknowledge that we are striving towards anti-racism? And then, and maybe then, you anti-racist. So that's what it looks like lived out, yeah. directly connected to, because we are humble enough to mm. say, the truth is more important than my perks. Mm, mm. Yeah, wow, beautiful. Um, I think um, I definitely am an anti-racist. Have been all my life. Um, <laughs> all my life. My life. Yes. I've been anti-racist. Little um, color purple on the table. And I, I always think it's sure. best. Yeah, right. Exactly. This is. I got the hair wrap to prove it. I'm sorry. <laughs> they love cracking Bless, on me. Blessed rabbit trail. Yeah, you see the blessed. way they just they be doing me wrong. You see <laughs> how they do me. Um, but I, I I have a thing about labels, so I always want to take on. The only labels, I, I try to take on labels that will be with me in the new heavens and new earth. Now, this anti-racist will not be with me necessarily, right? Because there won't be racism anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God. We don't um, know when to shout. We but, but, this is true. That, is, that was, y'all did miss your shout on that. <laughs> there won't be racism in the new heavens and new earth. That is your time to shout. That is good news. Amen. That is good news. We have to make sure that we believe that's good That's great news to black women who are that's dying good. on the table it's, giving it, birth to babies. Yes. That's yes, good news, yes. okay? Um, that's good news to white that, people making money off of racism. I don't know. That's good news, good news there too. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good. So I, I think, um, but I, I do carry this label because I'm. It's um, it, it it means that I'm resisting sin, right? Which Amen. is what we're all called to do. Amen. So this is a label I'm fine with taking on, um, and I'm, oh, I'm I like being precise <laughs> like, and being specific about what it is, you know, um, because I think sometimes there can be a little bit of confusion about what racial reconciliation might be, right? Um, and yeah, I'm not dogging anybody that is a racial, yeah, yeah. who, who owns that label. <laughs> I, I just believe that um, anti-racism <laughs> is in service to racial reconciliation, and I like to be very clear you know, about what it is that I'm resisting. And so my ministry is one of resistance against white supremacy Amen. and affirmation for black people um, and then peripherally, you know, um, uh, non-black people of color because if you're centering the most marginalized, then that will trickle down to everybody else too, That's right? right. Um, because we are so deeply oppressed um, in this land and not just in this land, but globally um, because again, white supremacy is a global project and I will say that all the time and repeat that um, just in case people forget that. And so, uh, so what it means for me to be anti-racist is that I actually see myself as upholding the image of God within um, 
black people within non-black people of color. Um, I think what I'm trying to do is affirm God's goodness in his creation and the ways that he's created us. Um, and, and really calling people in the faith, our white brothers and sisters, to uh, become what you are right, in Christ. Become what you are. We are the righteousness of Christ, you know. And so that means that we begin to resist sin. We begin to resist bigotry. We ought to. We begin to resist prejudice. We begin to resist racism. We begin to resist white privilege. Oftentimes, these blessings that people accrue uh, are not blessings. They are actually, um, how can you say, consequences or uh, uh, um, residual benefits from white privilege, right? Um, Because your family got the New Deal and our family did not. Um, Because we were not allowed to buy homes and if we do, it was blockbusting, right? Um, uh, Even now, even with the predatory lending that happened back in 2006, we did get some homes, but then they got snatched up. That's That's what happened with my family. I got caught up in that as well. So I mean, so the, so we have to re- begin to interrogate what we are supposed blessings, right? Um, and we have to begin to interrogate our own complicity um, in um, white supremacy because white supremacy does not work unless people of color are complicit too. So when I say I'm resisting racism, I'm also resisting the racism that I see that's been internalized within my black brothers and sisters, and we've internalized that, so and so. And if we haven't done the work to undo it, oh, it's there. It's there, latent, deep within us. It's very insidious, right? Um, uh, and so I, I, a prime example of that is just, I think, just I just read about this, just so I didn't get to get all the details. But um, this couple, I forgot exactly where they were, black couple, because um, we know black love is always under assault in a white supremacist um, country, right? Um, They're sitting in the car, literally singing a a song, you know, together. And police pull up, shoot at them in the car. Husband doesn't get shot, wife gets shot in the face. So I didn't get to read the details. I don't know if she's survived or has not. Mm. Um, And so, and I'm actually glad I have not read the details yet. I will read it after because I'll probably be on this table, laid out, Mm -hmm. falling out. That's actually what I want to do right now, but I'm trying to hold it together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is so vicious. It is so wicked. It is our our very being, you know, um, um, uh, makes white supremacy seethe. Right, you know, and foam at the mouth, um, which is why when I show up to spaces, I show up fully as myself, mm-hmm. um, fully embodied. That in and of itself is an act of resistance. Yes. I walk in holding my head up high. I don't have anything to be ashamed of. The Lord God is my shield, my very great reward. He's the lifter of my head. Why would I ever be ashamed to be in this dark body? with this kinky hair, with these old long legs the Lord gave me. Why would I ever be ashamed of that? But I used to be when I was little. I used to be. I used to hate myself. You know, so I know what white supremacy has done to me. I know what it's doing to black women. Mm-hmm. I know how it's causing weathering, which is literally the, the, the compounding of racism that's manifesting itself in our bodies that's causing us to die on the table when we are giving birth to our children and our children are dying at rates three to four times higher than white women or even our other people of color, um, non-black people of color. This is a crisis. 
that we're in. We are in the fight of our lives, really mm -hmm. and truly. And so being anti-racist, part of it is that I'm trying to be weatherproof. You know, I'm trying, I am really trying to resist the, the effects of weathering. Um, but I can't do that in my own strength. I can only do it by the power of the spirit. Um, and so I'm resisting white supremacy that's latent within my black brothers and sisters. I'm resisting the explicit white, uh, white supremacy um, that, that, that my white brothers and sisters participate in. I'm resisting it in the systems, right, um, that we find ourselves, um, whether it be in white evangelicalism, even in the black church, in, the, in there. I mean, those, and I forgot to mention that those cops, they're black, okay? And so that's, that's the point, is <laughs> that, that, that we can have our kin can be actors, right? Within accomplices, if you will, um, within the system of white supremacy. Um, so it's a very, um, it's a very serious matter. Um, so to be anti-racist, I think, is to do uh, the work of the Lord by God's grace. And so, uh, and so I guess the, the question really is, how do we, how does our faith inform our anti-racism? work. I, I will start because I'm on the mic right now. I will say before my sisters kill it, because this is what they do. They be like, that's it. Bye. <laughs> but I would say how my faith informs my anti-racism work is that, um, you know, people that are not Christians, right, um, would say it's systems that are bad, not people that are bad. And me as a Christian anti-racism, as one who's reformed, I'm going to say no, the systems are bad. Yeah, they are. And people are sinful as a mug. <laughs> like, people are <laughs> sinful. Like, you know, like, total depravity mug. is real. It's total. There's a reason why we lock our doors at night. It well, ain't just because of the system, okay? It ain't, I mean, I'm just saying. It can be both. We can walk in, these two things are not mutually exclusive. So I would say that that's a reality, right? Um, and so when I'm, I'm thinking about how my faith informs it, I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do, what I'm thinking about is, I think I said it earlier, but I'm like, for the Christian, you are actually better than this. And not because of who you are, Amen. but who Christ Amen. has made you to be. Okay? You've been imputed with righteousness. Yeah. Like you are a new creation. You know, so, I'm, so really the call to be an anti-racist or the call me trying to call you in i'm actually trying to call you in right. not, not necessarily not not necessarily trying to call you out although mm. sometimes i got to call it out <laughs> you know sometimes you have to call call it out in order to call somebody in you have to name the thing a thing right you got to name the white supremacy you have to name the bigotry you have to name the misogyny i guess we're not talking about that today but you know that's a bonus <laughs> You have to name it and then call that person in. Call them into righteousness. Come in, call them into covenant love of your neighbor. Love. I mean, that, that's the call. That is the call. Um, and so, uh, so, I, so I think you have to humanize the people. And, and, and the, the, the anti-racist, the truth teller, has got to be motivated by love. The seed of truth that is planted within anybody that we're speaking to, either calling out or calling in, that seed must be doused in the waters of love or you have no business doing this work if you call yourself an anti-racist, a Christian anti-racist, if you wanna call it that, that's what I say. Um, because you will be over, you can be overcome with pride, 
you can be over, not, not saying you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was pointing at okay. your, the humility that you were hitting at earlier. I'm sorry. So that's what I was trying to say. So, that's why I say it but you can time. get hit with, with, with pride, right? Always. Bitterness. Yes. Because this stuff is ugly. Yeah, is. When you get into the weeds of this, it is ugly. You can get um, jaded. Right. Um, and then and, and then you begin to just spread this infection around people like a gangrene that just begins to take hold of other people. It's just like that's full of you're, you're ministering out of a place of woundedness and hurt and brokenness rather than a place of hope. Right. Um, and um, uh, what is her name? Prison culture. What's her name? Miriam oh, yeah. Makiba. Am I am I getting her name correct? I feel like that's her last name. She says hope is a discipline. Me as a public theologian, I agree. I'm going to go further. Hope is a person. Yes. Okay. Yes. Hope is not only a discipline, but it is also a person. And it is a discipline to look to that person, Jesus Christ, as our living hope. Every day when you're here in this fallen world looking sin in its face and you're like, how long, O oh Lord? Um, that is a discipline to continue to look to the one um, who is hope. And so I think as a Christian anti-racist, yes, systems are bad, but people are sinful, okay? Um, and we have to be motivated by love, by hope, um, by truth, right? Because um, just as people are hopeful people, Amen. or else I don't know how we, <laughs> I don't know how we keep well, moving we forward. A... Right? I don't know how we keep moving forward. So yeah, so how do y'all, for you, how does your faith inform your anti, anti-racism work? Amen. Uh, first of all, amen. Amen. I felt like I just preached the whole sermon right there. I'm not going to say anything else anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you got thoughts. You know, gotta give you a part two of that. <laughs> all right. In the ninth chapter it. of Mark, uh, <laughs> there was an experience of the disciples being very overwhelmed. Right. What was happening in Mark chapter 9? They, they were running around. Mark is the book in which things mm-hmm. happen immediately. Mm-hmm. Jesus is baptized, and the Spirit forces him into a wilderness experience. Right. Yeah. They, uh, Jesus is transfigured yeah. on a mount, and the disciples look around going, Dad, we need to build tents up there. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just... Did he just, and then two ghosts pop out of like a vortex? And then they talking to Jesus like, is his hair changing? I mean, they were freaking out. And immediately when they went back down into the town, the rest of the disciples are rallied around trying to cast a demon out of a young man. Yes. So here is Jesus transfigured. And then boom, overwhelming overwhelming circumstances that no matter how Mm -hmm. godly God and glorious and beautiful and alpha and omega looking and shining like gold and talking to Moses and him, no matter how big God he was, his disciples were completely overcome by current events. And the father of the little boy that they were trying to cast the demon out of came up to Jesus and was like, hey, this is your disciples. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knew exactly who them jokers belonged to. Mm-hmm. You see, when you go and you try to speak foolishness right. out of people, 
and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, they know exactly who to yes. blame. Yes, they do. That daddy came up to Jesus and was like, uh, he didn't know Jesus had just been transfigured. Yeah. He saw an a unhoused, rugged man that was related to the dude you see grasshoppers and wear camels fur. Your disciples cannot heal my son. Yes, yes. Jesus walked up to the boy, and you know this story, you need to read this yeah. because in the, the way that Mark speaks yeah. it, the end result is the shame, the mortification of the disciples right. when they finally get to the house and they have in their debrief, every good organizer arranges a debrief <laughs> out of every reactive event. Jesus is the original Ella Baker. Come on, come All on, right. come on. Yeah, yeah. They're in the house and the disciples say, why couldn't we do that? We followed you. We know you, God. We was doing everything right. Jesus said, much to their glee and their dismay, these spirits, the ones that make you mute, the ones that try to drown you, the ones that try to cast you into the fire, these spirits can be cast out only through prayer. The very simple solution that made me feel like an idiot, I wasn't even in this story. Don't you feel like a fool when you are running around trying to cast out the demons of white supremacy in your school, in your home, trying to cast it out of the enterprise rental car place? That's a testimony. <sighs> you running around trying to cast out spirits of foolishness in your own family. That father had a son who was mute and deaf and trying to kill himself and there was nothing he could do and he brought him to the disciples of a man who was God and they couldn't do it. Baby, you will be overwhelmed and you will feel like I cannot do this. If I have to go to basketball practice one more time and hear one more thing mm -hmm. that makes me feel like I'm on a plantation, mm -hmm. I cannot do this, mm -hmm. Lord. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. only way to cast out a demon that is making people try to throw themselves into a fire, that is making people unable to see, yeah. that is making people unable to hear, that is making people unable to speak, when you are overwhelmed from trying to cast demons out, the answer is prayer. Yeah. And so I don't want us to miss Dr. Yeah. Cohn's wonderful advice that any pursuit of liberation begins in your home. Come on. Mm -hmm. So I, my Amen. two children hear mm -hmm. from me as much of my horror stories as I can you know, get down to a seven and eight year old level. And they hear in the home the 78th chapter of Psalms mm -hmm. that says, tell your children all of the mistakes yeah. of the generations yeah. and tell them that I had mercy. This is Amen. God Amen. had mercy. Amen. Tell them that I Amen. empowered them. Tell them Amen. that I told them to press on. Your heart will always, always be overwhelmed. Everything we just said should mm. freak you out a little bit. Yeah. But the spirits <laughs> that possess the United States of America can be cast out through prayer. Mm -hmm. And when you pray, let it be authentic, which means if you know that you have racial bias, and I hope if you're white, you're nodding. Yes, I do. <laughs> when you know Receive that you do, this can you refuse to be fragile to your own failure? Because Jesus looked at the disciples and didn't rile on them, didn't cuss them out, didn't get mad and say, y'all should know better. Yeah, he did. What did he tell them to do? Continue in prayer. Amen. So if the Lord of hosts Amen. can look at the people Amen. who should really have known better and treat them with such sure. beauty, powerful humility, Amen. then you too, when you are overwhelmed just because you're a human, boo-boo, mm -hmm. you can come to God and say, I want to do what is Amen. right. 
to cast out the devil that is white mm-hmm. supremacy, the evil that is white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And you have to start in your house mm-hmm. being prayerful. Amen. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Come see. <laughs> Another sermon. What, what, what was your original question? <laughs> it, was, it was like faith. How, how does your faith inform your anti-racism work? I say anti-racism. And you did answer that. But I, I, just needed, I just needed an alignment. Okay. That's all right. So, um, so how, how does my faith yes. inform it? So my faith informs the actual starting point of the issue of racism. Mm-hmm. So that it goes back past 400 years. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. But it goes to the fall itself. Sure. Mm-hmm. So my faith informs its etiology. Mm-hmm. And that I can call it by its truer name, which is idolatry. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it, so that it informs that, although I will call it by its sociological name, yeah. because I do believe that we ought to repent of particular sins particularly. particularly. Right. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play that game of like the issue is just sin. No, we're gonna call it racism. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're gonna call it the name. Yeah. But yes. we know it's no, also play, 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 a play, fruit play. of idolatry. Right. So we just the semantics. We have to watch that. It's real sneaky. Them Very sneaky. You know? um, so the etiology is informed by my faith. Where does the issue of racism actually start? It starts at the fall, right? And it starts at our desire to not trust God. Mm-hmm which is how we love God, mm-hmm. is through obedience and trust. Mm-hmm. It's very clear in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to be God, because we're like, I can't really trust this God. Wow. And I can't yes. really trust that this God is good. Yeah. I got an idea. How about I'll be God? Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't work Watch out. Thanos. Then that doesn't work out. I Thanos, 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 y'all. And so is white supremacy. Is white supremacy Thanos? Okay, but that doesn't work they out. Lost that me doesn't work out. You know, <laughs> you you can end up embarrassed very quickly right. in that one, right. which happened really fast at the fall. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be God. That that got embarrassed real quick. So the next plan was, oh, I'll just be God over my neighbor. Mm-hmm. See, God, it's that woman that you gave me. Yeah, yeah. It was her. Yep. Yep. And then we see how the curse works itself out, right? Come on, see? Yeah, and then yeah. they have these kids. And what do we see one generation later yes, when they have these right. kids? Yes. Oh, either you're going to be your brother's keeper or your brother's killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It yep. is a very clear dichotomy. So my etiology is different because it is rooted in scripture. Yeah. In the creative narrative. But also my methodology has to be submitted to the word of God. Mm-hmm. I got all kinds of ideas and feelings. Sure, sure. And issues <laughs> and impulses. Not all kinds. All kinds. Mm-hmm. All manner of kinds. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the Christian's distinctive marker is love. Amen. Amen. They will know you by your love. That's what the scripture says. And so our methodologies have to be rooted in agopic, self-sacrificing love. So one of the things that we like to do in evangelical Christianity is we like to call other people to make sacrifices on our behalf. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. People who we do not agree with for whatever reason, even if it's grounded in our theological faith, we ask them to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. But we are the ones 
who have Jesus living within us. He is not only the priest, but the sacrifice yes. himself. Yes. Mm -hmm. If there's ever a people who look like Jesus, it's those who make the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So that, that particular belief system informs anti-racism, which is why anti-racism, racist Christians, we actually go into racist spaces. That's yes. Right. Exactly. Now, I know a whole lot of people that are like, I'm done, I'm done. And I'm like, amen, hallelujah, you should be done. We need seasons when we leave. But I just want to let you know, Christian anti-racists. Go into racist spaces. Saw in life. We show up in places that we know are crazy. Yeah. We are not in denial. And we speak truth and love hallelujah. in those spaces. So other folks can be like, peace out. We can't, we can't do peace out. No. We cannot take the light away. We cannot take the salt away. It wasn't ours to it begin with. Yeah, exactly. So we have to be in, in these spaces mm -hmm. with wisdom, of course. Mm. The wisdom, of course. So the, the ideology, the philosophy, and then within the church, we have a covenantal contract yeah, with each do. other. Mm -hmm. We who have been baptized into Christ together have covenantal mm -hmm. obligations yep. to each other. I owe people things mm -hmm. because we've been baptized in Christ together. They owe mm -hmm. me things mm -hmm. because I've been baptized into mm -hmm. Christ together with them. And so that covenantal contract binds me mm -hmm. to a fidelity to my brother and sister in Christ, and that mm -hmm. binds them to a fidelity to me. Mm -hmm. right. Now, this is why racism in America, uh, where we've gotten the philosophy, corrupt theology, and practices by white Christians for over 400 years. Mm -hmm. That's why it is so egregious. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Because it is a violation of the covenant contract yes. bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that is why reparations is very important. It's not just about money. Mm -hmm. It is about acknowledging that the blood still works. Yeah. yeah. And so Amen. So reparations now. Amen. Yeah. Because yeah. the blood frees us to repent. Yes. And it yeah. will set people free. Amen. Amen. Not, you know, I'm going to be all right. It'll set you free. Yeah. Repentance yeah. is for the wrongdoer. Yeah. Yeah. It will set this place free. It and will. I'm talking about the, the church in America. Yes, it will. I'm not talking about yes. America in general. I don't know. I'm church talking about the Lord. church. And the fact that the church represents the most resistant and racist ideology holding segment of America, of America yeah. is absolutely wicked. Yeah. yeah. It's wicked. It is, it is our it is. fight. It's our fight. It is. It is our fault. Mm -hmm. It is the church in America's fault. Yep. And so we must fix it. Yeah. If we believe the blood if works. If we believe it. If we believe it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Those yeah. are my thoughts and things. This is beautiful. <laughs> Reparations now. And so, yeah, I mean, really, we try to find a way to say that every hour. every episode. <laughs> and I and I have done that. There you go. This is true. This is true. Um, but it's about. I think also part of what it means to be anti-racist is that we are calling the church to live congruently, and individual Christians to live congruently, right, with what we believe. So it's not enough to just say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I did this." You do have to repair, uh, repent, and repair. Um, making those reparations um, in order to be able to bridge this chasm, to bridge this this divide, um, this soul wound, and the pain of racism. I think, and sometimes um, in this work, we we walk around with shields um, uh, because we have to to protect ourselves because our lives are on the line doing this work. It's not um, it's not a game. I mean, that, and that's not hyperbole. That's not an exaggeration. But fundamentally, um, racism. It eats at us 
it it hurts us, you know. It leads to um, early death. Um, it leads to ailments. It leads to cancer. It leads to all high blood pressure. How about that? Stroke. I mean, you name it, you know. Um, that's just, that kills our, our people. Um, and so I think um, it, it people underest, underestimate the power of what it would mean to see the church actually rise up and actually pay reparations. I think it's an indictment on the church that, I mean, I'm happy to see the reparations conversation really and truly, but I think it's an indictment against the church that um, 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 Warren is talking about it, that Castro is talking about it, that these Democratic candidates are talking about it, that it's <laughs> that it's, it's starting to become a thing on Twitter. Um, it's an indictment because reparations is a biblical category that is our territory, and we've ceded ground, you know, um, to the world. But guess what? The children of this world are more shrewd than the sons of light. That's what Jesus said. That's what my Bible says. Do I have a Bible reader in here? That's part of our problem too. We don't be reading the Bible, and so this is that's what that's what the that's what the text says. And so because we believe in common grace, right? And so we believe in common grace. We believe that even unbelievers hit on truth because they are made in the image yes, of God. Yes, and all yes. truth is God's truth. Yes. So thank you, Castro. Thank you, Warren, <laughs> and everybody else that's talking about reparations. I, my <laughs> sincere prayer is that the church will rise up collectively and say, you know what? It was our fault. You know, and this is yeah. God's idea, yeah. and we are taking the lead in the mantle, and we are going to begin to um, dream together dream what it dream. means to make reparations for our African American brothers and sisters. What does that mean? What does that look like? That's what that is the that really is the prayer. Um, I think that's when you start to. That for me is what it means to unleash the eschatological imagination. How do we bring the blessings of the new earth into the right now? Because we are living in between the overlapping of the ages, the present evil age, right? We know that full well. Um, and the new age, you know, we know that. We, we feel that every day. We feel the present evil age every day. We feel it. I'm sure you feel it now in this moment, those who are uncomfortable and you see them on the inside, you're tightening up with what we're saying. You feel it now. You know, um, our job as new creations in Christ is to bring those, those, those blessings of joy, peace, justice, restoration. It's our job to, to make those things manifest. They're not going to come out fully, right, because of the present evil age. But how do we begin to yes. give people glimpses, gospel glimpses of glory? Yes. Can you imagine? Yes. Can you imagine? I'm an anti-racist because I'm an evangelist. Period. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to see anybody miss uh, glory. I don't want to see anybody miss Jesus. I really don't. You know, we all gonna meet him, but everybody ain't gonna be with him. That's the problem. And so, and so, I, I want deep down in my soul, I want to see Ta-Nehisi Coates come to faith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to see him and all his all the all, all of these people that are just doing this very great work because common grace is a wonder. I want to see them on the other side. And racism is a stumbling block. And it keeps people away from Jesus Christ. And it makes me mad. And I don't want anybody to miss God. Because hell is real. 
Oh, I know it's not cool to say. Oh yeah, but hell is real and it is hot and it ain't no party. It's not cute. And nobody's gonna be rejoicing there. Nobody. And so racism has eternal consequences. It must be handled and it must be dealt with. And it's a long game. We're we going to be fighting racism by the time we're we dead and gone. I'm fully aware of that. You know, but what does it mean? While I'm here, while it's still day, you know, what does it mean for us to fight that? And what does it mean? I mean, how can you imagine the shackles that would come off of unbelievers, particularly black unbelievers, because the church said, you know what? Let's, let's do this. What, what are the checks that need to be written? What are the school loan debts that need to be forgiven because I didn't give a scholarship That's to you because you're a black woman and didn't qualify? What does that mean? What does it mean for us to cut a brand new new deal so that you can have property? Okay, and so that we could get rid of gentrification that's pushing us out. What does that mean? What does it mean for us to begin to, to really reassess everything in this land that's contributed to our disenfranchisement? What does that mean? I mean, I, I cannot imagine the, I mean, the, the, the residual effects of that, the eternal the impact witness. of that, the, the witness. witness of it. The witness. the witness, and not just here, but globally, what that, what that means for people. Um, that are that are looking on um, instead of looking on in America, like what is going on with y'all? Like you know, what I'm saying because that's a, that's, how that's what's happening. Our Christian brothers and sisters overseas are like, what is happening in America? You know, so what is that? I mean, we have to begin to dream about that and think about that. Um, and I think that's what hope leads us to. And I think we have a new we we have a new mind in Christ. Let's begin to to think in those in those ways. And. One of the things that we want to make sure we don't miss (laughs) is that this witness requires us to worship the one true God. And so if our God is money, we cannot serve mammon and the one who shed his blood for us. And so if the person who shed their blood for us is the kindly General Robert E. Lee, then it will be very difficult to honor and appreciate and stand in front of TV cameras and say he was a wonderful man, and then to bear witness to the importance of the equality uh, and necessary empowerment of all people. And so our witness depends not only upon our range of empathy with people who aren't hearing our witness, our witness depends very deeply on the person we're witnessing about. Amen. Please amen, make amen, sure amen. you are not proselytizing anyone amen. to super woke white Jesus. Uh-oh. Uh, that is not our God. Because he a problem, too. Amen. He a problem. He's a real problem. Still <laughs> a seductive assassin. Yes, he's a problem. He's an Super idol. woke white Jesus ain't no better than white Jesus who will try to kill you. <laughs> One treats you like you're a sweet little cocker spaniel they wish you wish lived in your house, and mm. the other treats you like a slave. Yes. Both of those things are slavery. <laughs> uh, tokenizing <laughs> is slavery. Yes, it is. And so I want us to make sure that we are bearing witness and also witnessing about God. Well, amen. That's beautiful. Yeah, ditto to all those things. And um, (laughs) so, yeah, so, so, so the the love of the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and ideology, remember? Mm. If we look at the garden, we look at the fall, we see, huh, I don't trust you. 
So what are some things that prop me up to make me feel like I can be in control? Because I am not going to trust God. Right. Money. Money. Power. Status. What you need Identity. Mm-hmm. Domineering over others. Ah, that's my ticket to pretend that I'm this God that I can't truly usurp, that I desperately need. And so I would say that that is what we have to check. We have to check our, our, our drives, what we, what we are attempting to replace God with mm-hmm. because we do not want to trust who God is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And racism is just one of those expressions. Sure. One of those expressions. And if we don't resist it, as you can see, it will take over a culture. It will take over. It will. It will. Um, so as we as we are wrapping, I've I've sensed in my spirit that our time is is <laughs> drawing nigh. That did, that did not even it's require drawing a revelation. That was um, real uh, natural. What's a what's a, 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 a tip <laughs> that you could give to our, uh, uh, our our people about how they can begin? They're like, okay, I heard all you're saying. I, I hear the ideology. I hear how sinister it is. The love of money, all the reparations now. Yes, reparations now. How do we begin? <laughs> yeah. The um, how do I be start my journey as an anti-racist? Mm. What's one thing? What or it doesn't have to be one. Have it doesn't have to be one. It doesn't have to be one. Because I know y'all disobedient. Three person. It don't have to be one. It don't have to be one. But what would you say in, in a, a very concise way? <laughs> what's your advice? Really, what you mean? What's your advice for somebody that wants to start their journey and become an anti-racist? What would you? What say you? Oh, please! If you are one of our one of our people, um, yes. black black women. Christian anti-racism does require fellowship. What Christina laid out is so true, it's too true. You'll be in racist institutions that you're like, I'm out! And the Lord might just boomerang you back. I'm not testifying. (laughs) (laughs) So please seek fellowship, please. Seek fellowship. White folk, please don't try to make me believe that you a white person I can trust. Can you please just live, baby boo? Just live. Amen. That's good. Just live like you love the Lord. And don't try to convince black people that we should be BFF. In fact, if you and your BFF don't see the same about racism, maybe you ain't a good friend to them because you're too busy trying to get some black friends. Um, But black women, please seek seek fellowship and ask, ask for constructive peer critique that's from great. your fellow black oh, women. That's yeah. good, that's good. All right, that's see, good. how about you? Yeah, so oh, tea was exceptionally hot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> tea was hot. Burnt. No, um, to echo the Mark text that you picked up, yeah. the importance of prayer. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say to look to the Psalms when it talks about um, search me, O Lord. Yes. Um, that. That daily uh, act of repentance mm-hmm. and um, laying ourselves before God, the perfect surgeon, um, with the scalpel of searching us yeah. for our biases, Help our us. bigotry, our fears, our hatreds, mm-hmm. um, just surrendering ourselves and making that a liturgical practice and that that becomes a part of what happens in the gathered worship experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
because our public worship is public because it is a, a protest statement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I learned that from Michelle, and you should write a book about that for real. Okay. Hello, Seriously. prophesy. I'm just saying, you should write a book about that. But it is, it is a public statement because we have a, a public Lord who publicly died and publicly rose. Yes. And so our, we have to do public repentance as a part of who we are as Christians. Yes. Not because yes. we want to be seen, because y'all know I don't really, I like to mind my business mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so the fact that I'm here right now is an expression of yeah. this public statement of our faith yes. and uh, to be an anti-racist Christian is to make these public statements of confession and need and longing you just got to be an honest person Amen. yes this is true yeah um, I would say that it is important to recognize um, the spiritual aspect of it um, spiritual warfare is real I believe in spiritual warfare. Um, and we have to be prepared to stay on our knees praying. I believe in having a discipline of fasting so you can hear God's voice clearly um, on what you're supposed to do. Look, everybody ain't able to to do what we have been called to do to, and to do it publicly. But everybody has been called to resist sin now, which means that you have been called to be an anti-racist now. Because racism is... a one of many, many, many sins. Um, and so and you can do that privately in your home um, and, and begin to identify that. Part of how you identify that is reading books. Part of that is interrogating yourself, right? Um, um, by the power of the spirit and putting up those biases before the throne of God. Help me, God. Remove this bias. Remove this bigotry. Um, remove... Uh, uh, um, my uh, my comfort with the privileges conferred to me because of white privilege, yeah. lay it all on the altar, lay it all there, um, and ask God to wash you, mm -hmm. to change you, mm -hmm. to mold you, Amen. to shape you, Amen. Uh, to give you a creative means to use um, um, the privileges occurred to you on behalf of people that don't have them, you know, um, because everything that we have anything we have doesn't belong to us right including money um so <laughs> that's not it's not ours you know um uh so you know just begin to ask god to search you as you know as um as christina says so i would say and and then for my black folk um begin to do the work of undoing the racism that you've internalized Help us, you know um you know decolonizing our minds is a lifelong process um, and it's not as cut and dry as people say. For me, decolonizing does not mean throw away every book that every white man's ever written. That is just so silly to me. <laughs> and so, and it just lacks nuance. And I don't I'm like, throw away books. I descend from people who were killed for reading. So my view of books is like, y'all, I keep my books now. Yeah, you keep your Critically books. Critically discern the Critically books. Critically discern, you know what I'm saying? I hope you don't agree with every jot and tittle that anybody's written, right? You know, except for God, you know? Um, but, but how do you begin to just... You, you, we have to use some nuance. We need discernment. That's where discernment begins to come in for us, you know. So, so, anyways, those are some of my own um, personal um, tips. And so, I just I want to thank my sisters for taking a seat at the table with us, um, and I want to thank y'all, of course, for for taking a seat at the table too. Thank you.